There are few things we love more than drinking coffee. Do you have coffee? Cheers. Cheers. Look at us go. We start every recording with grabbing our coffee, whether it's morning or afternoon. Did you know that you can support the pod by fueling the pod with coffee? Head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash wepod to show your love of the pod by buying us a coffee. That's buymeacoffee.com slash W-I-I-P-O-D. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business. The good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. Today, we're going to be chatting about emergency funds as an entrepreneur, including what an emergency fund is, how to build one, and what to aim for. But before we dive into today's episode, we literally have not caught up in a week because I was off the grid and abandoned Morgan. Sorry about that. Love you. So, Morgan. What have you been up to? Not having, not talking to you for a week was one of the weirdest things in the whole wide world. I'm so thankful you had time off the grid, but holy shit, I missed you. (laughs) I missed you too. It was so weird. I was telling Morgan before we hit record, which that's when we always have our best content. I'm just kidding. There's some good content. There's some good content. Don't worry. We'll rehash it. We're rehashing it. it. Yes. But I would go into town where I'd get a tiny bit of service and like a little blip from Morgan would come through every now and again. I'm like, I can't even respond to you because I don't think you'll get it. I was also having phone issues. So I was like, I'm not even talking to anybody. I did my Duolingo though. I kept up with that. I was wondering about that. (laughs) I hit 600 days today. Oh my God. That is commitment. I was like, what a freaking great way to start the week. I love that for you. It, yeah. it is so helpful. People get on Duolingo. Yes. Anyway, I love that you Duolingo. kept on Duolingo though. Yes. It was very important. Uh, my partner's on it too. So we were like, all right, we got to get to town and do our Duolingo. Even if it's just like, we have to sit in a weird spot on the side of the road to, to like get enough service to do it. Cause you have to have an internet connection, which we found out, which we were like, oh man, but we did it. We Commitment. Did it. You need to like write to Duolingo and be like, sponsor me. This is what <laughs> I did to keep up my streak. Sponsored by Duolingo. That would be great. Not actually, just to clarify. Not actually. It would be great though. We are committed. Anywho, um, let's see. I mean, I feel like business stuff is like same old, same old. Nothing, nothing too new. The well, I guess when this comes out, it will have passed. But as we're recording this, the BIPOC eating disorder conference is this week. And um, I know I'm so excited. I've been working with Angela and Whitney. Gosh, when did we start? Probably back in February um, and did some uh, support on building their website and getting some of the tech stuff in place and the whole shebang. So it just feels crazy that it's already here. I'm gearing up for that. Going to be the one manning the email during the conference. So, I mean, really, like my life has consisted of 
filming little snippets for my month in the life because I wanted to do a creative project that wasn't tied to me making money. And so that's been super fun. And if you've watched it, you will know that I am currently obsessed with Formula One Drive to Survive on Netflix. Like obsessed. I can't get enough. It is I July 4th weekend, my sister-in-law and one of her friends explained it to me. They're like, it's like the real housewives of racing. And I'm not a real housewives fan. That's a little too much drama, but it's, there's only 20 drivers in all of formula one, which is so few drivers. It's like, there's 10 teams, two drivers each. I was expecting this to be like, you know, like any other sport, a baseball team, like a basketball team where there's like, you know, multiple teams, many players on each team. And I was like, there's no way I have the brain space to keep up with that many people. Nope. 20 people, 10 teams. You get to know the drivers and their managers and they each season covers like a year of their season. And they have, I think 21 races also known as Grand Prix all around the world. So like, not only are you like getting to see the ins and outs of these drivers who like, for the record are very attractive, (laughs) very attractive humans, but you're getting to see like 21 different places around the world and like the scenery of that. And so I'm obsessed with it. That's great. (laughs) It sounds like it hits on all the things you could ever want in this show. Hot people, cool places and some drama. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I love it a lot. And the two Grand Prix, I think there's a Grand Prix technically in Canada, but the two Grand Prix in North America are in Austin, Texas, two and a half hours away from me, and Mexico City. And I was like, clearly I meant to love this sport. (laughs) Okay, so new bucket list is to maybe go to a live Formula One in Mexico City while we're there on a boss trip. Yeah, well, so caveat, it is a like, it's a rich person sport. If I'm going to be completely honest, I looked up tickets to Austin. And so it's like a three day thing. Like Friday, they have practice Saturday. They have qualifiers and Sunday's the actual race. And like the tickets for the race, like are like upwards of like $3,000 a ticket. And I was like, "Mm, no, thanks. Yeah. We won't be doing that, (laughs) but I'd be happy to go like network with people on Friday and figure out how to get myself a ticket to Sunday. Oh yeah. Formula one sponsor us with tickets to your show. But anyway, so that's been, that's been bringing a lot of joy into my life. A thing that has not been bringing me joy, which you will also know if you've been watching my month in a life is that I went on two dates with a guy Wednesday and Wednesday, and they were really good dates. And then I got fucking ghosted by him. I have not been ghosted by someone I honestly, and maybe ever, I don't know any people that I've ever gone on a date with. I've like, one of us has sent like a thanks, but no thanks ending it up. Like you're great, but you're not my person kind of message, which I'm, you know, healthy communication. We love that. And me and this guy, which was so funny, a little bit of background story. So we matched on Bumble and then two days later, ran into each other at the grocery store before we went on a date. Didn't say hi to him. I was in a hurry. I was like skirt skirting around H-E-B, but he like looked at me and turned around and then looked back at me. And like, I was like, oh my God, is that, 
is that the guy that I just matched with on Bumble? Like what the heck is happening? Um, it was so, and I was like, I was like a sweaty mess. I had just finished a workout class, like needed to run a really quick errand to make it home before book club. And so I was like, I, this is, I am not about to say hi to this guy. If this is him, like, nope, we're, we're going anyway, went on a date, went on another date, good dates, lots in common texted after the date. And then the next day didn't hear from him. So sent him a message and was like, Hey, how's your day going? Didn't hear from him. And so then I sent him a message on Saturday and I was like, look, bud, I'm a strong human being. It takes two minutes to send a message saying that you're not into this anymore. Like you could at least give me that. And then I still haven't heard from him. So Uh, people ghosting is stupid. If you're ghosting people, don't do it. If you're getting ghosted, I'm sorry. That's so childish. It's so childish. Like I say that I have ghosted one person before. (laughs) I've learned my lesson though, because being on the receiving end sucks. Mm. I'm sorry that happened to you. It's this person's loss. Thanks for sharing about your dating. That's what's been up with me since you've been (laughs) gone. What have you been up to? (laughs) Oh man. Well, I literally was off the grid, like you said, for a whole week and it was fucking awesome. If you read our newsletter that I just sent out today, whoops, it's a Monday we're recording. By the time you get this, it'll be the following Monday, I think. Two weeks. Two weeks. Oh shit. Wow. We are ahead of- We're like real behind with the newsletter, really ahead with the recordings. (laughs) Perfect, perfect, perfect. That's how we do it. Um, so I was off the grid for a week and it was fucking awesome. I went with my partner and his family up to the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. And um, they have a cabin out there that's literally in bumfuck Upper Peninsula. And it was beautiful. We had no showers, which was great. It was very fun to see how stinky I could get. And literally my entire job was to be fed by other people. and kayak and not get bit by mosquitoes and just exist and read. And literally I did nothing. It was awesome. And so lovely. That sounds incredible. I swear someone should offer a retreat for business owners in a cabin where they do everything for you. And you don't even talk about business. It's just a retreat. I guess that's called a vacation. That would be an all inclusive, but it was aka a vacation (laughs) aka a vacation everyone should take one and shut off from work and be forced to by nature not letting you have access to wi-fi it was great it was awesome it was so good I like I'm still riding the high and I'm kind of sad to be back okay I have I have questions how do you get there yeah so so we flew into Marquette Michigan and then we had to take a puddle jumper plane no we flew into Detroit took a pedal jumper plane, like a small plane that was the size of a bus, which scares the shit out of me. If you have been listening, I'm fucking terrified of flying. And there's nothing that feels even more scarier than being on a little plane with these stupid little jets. Like, I feel like those are the ones that crash. Anyway, not to go to a dark place, but so we took the pedal jumper across from Detroit to Marquette. And then we drove an hour and a half into the wilderness from there. Yeah. Wow. So it was great. Yeah, we were out there in the cabin for six days. And then on the seventh day, we went into town to Marquette, which is like a cute little college town with bars and stuff. And we did a little bar crawl with some of uh, my partner's family and like explored the city. It was very cool Um, and got to sleep in a hotel bed after sleeping in a cabin all week, which was- And shower. 
and shower. Yes, we actually, so we had an outdoor shower that was like water that could pour over you, which was very great and awesome. But also I didn't feel inclined to really use it. So, I mean, I guess if you're like spending time in the water too, like kayaking and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like once you get to a certain point of stinky, you don't smell anymore, or maybe you're just so used to it. I don't know. I'm a very, some would say dirty person anyway. So it wasn't really too different from my day to day, except a little bit less showering. It's fine. I hate showering. It is a whole thing. I like the feeling of it, but most of the time it's like a 30 second thing for me. I'm like in and out unless I'm watching efficiency. We love efficiency. So my second question, what books did you read? Okay. I only read one book, which was the book that you left me with. The people we meet on vacation. We meet on vacation. Yes. I finished that book. It was great. I liked it. It was a very, um, steamy tension building story about friendship and love and travel. It was great. I really liked it. I wasn't expecting it to there to be some like steamy scenes, spicy scenes, I guess you could say. And I was like reading it in public and I'm like, I feel like I should not be reading this in public. (laughs) Like what if someone's reading over my shoulder? Not that it matters. It really doesn't matter. But I was like, you know, just I'm like, this is a little little uncomfy. (laughs) I literally thought that too. But it's also like, who reads a book over someone's shoulder? Like the writing is so small and like, nobody's going to do that. But I agree. Um, It's a very sexy read if you are looking for a fun fiction with steaminess. Yeah. Not too much steaminess. Yeah. I've ended up on like spicy book TikTok and some of the plots, I'm like, oh God. (laughs) So I don't think it's that steamy, but it is a little, you know, it's just like, Got a little something, something. Yes. I was just thinking there's literally a TikTok for everything. Of course, there's a steamy book TikTok. (laughs) Sorry on my TikToks. I guess it doesn't really matter at this point. So I'm getting back from my trip and it was great because we planned it to where we left on a Saturday morning and then we got back Saturday morning. So literally had a whole weekend to decompress, unpack, catch up on grad school stuff. It was, it was very chill. And now trying not to drink from the fire hose this week with getting back into work stuff. I am onboarding a new clinician this week at my practice, which I'm excited about. And we just have a lot, a lot going on. So it's going to be a great week. Sounds like it's going to be a a good and busy week. Yes. And I'm also excited for the BIPOC conference. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to have Whitney and Angela on the pod to drill them about it because it's a very successful, awesome conference. Yes. Speaking of to-do list. We need to email them and ask them. Yes. yes. <laughs> we want them on the pod. So. Yes. yes. We want them on the pod. You guys don't want to come on the pod. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but yes. It's going to be a great week. I'm going to catch the, um, the webinars between sessions and meetings and things. So ready to dive into today's episode. Let's do it. We're going to start this episode by making a disclaimer that while we are talking about emergency funds and or nest eggs, we are not financial advisors and we are not financial experts. We are sharing information solely based on research that we have done, books we have read, as well as our personal experience. Absolutely. And this is one topic out of many, many, many money topics that we want to 
discuss on the pod because there's so much to money management, taking care of yourself with finances. And so we're just starting at one tip of a very pointy iceberg that is emergency funds and nest eggs. So we were, whenever we were brainstorming this, Hannah was like, is a nest egg the same thing as an emergency fund? And I truthfully have never heard the term nest egg until you have mentioned it before. So I'm going to assume that they're probably the same thing, but what would you classify as like a nest egg? Yeah. So a nest egg is, I'm almost envisioning the reason why it's called a nest egg is if you imagine like a mama bird sitting on her eggs and like adding to the nest and like the nest stays put. Like if you pull an old nest out of a tree, PS don't do that just in case it's not an old nest, but it's very structurally solid. And there's so many things that have been gathered and kept there. And the intention is that it stays there, which doesn't quite translate into the context of money because I don't really think birds do anything with the nest. If there's an emergency, I think they just abandon it versus if there's an emergency and we think of our nest egg cash as an emergency fund, then we're pulling from it only if we need to. And so nest egg, it's just like something you sit on. It's not used for the day-to-day expenses. It's not used to pay yourself. It's there for emergency purposes and, or it can be used for a bigger purchase in the future, which I can give some examples about later on. Yeah. I, I, I'm a huge visualization girl. So I feel like envisioning like a bird's nest. It's like also one of those things that like, in my mind, it's like, it keeps you safe in Mm. case anything were to happen that you're like, I didn't plan for this. It keeps you safe. I like that. Yes. Feel free to add on to this, but an emergency fund is basically a amount of money that you set aside. Usually it's It's money that you're not investing. Like you need to have it ready to go whenever you, like whenever you need it. And so it's usually, I would say, kept in its own savings account. That way you're not like, you're going to have to go through effort in order to transfer it. But like, it can also be transferred within like a day if you need it. And it's in the sole purpose. I, I think in like the, in the general context, the sole purpose of it is on a, on a personal level say you ended up like having to go to the emergency room or having to replace your tires on your car or anything that you can't plan for, aka an emergency, that you have not financially planned for to save for or to spend that month, you're able to pull from this. It's hard sometimes because I feel like whenever I get in the habit of like setting money aside for an emergency fund, I'm like, I don't want to use it though. But like, if you come into a real emergency, that's what it's there for. In terms of entrepreneurship, I view it because I've had an emergency fund for a while now and I've had to switch. I had to switch my mindset whenever I stopped having consistent income. And my emergency fund was more so to get me through that first year of entrepreneurship without consistent income. It it got replaced as if I don't make enough money this month, instead of stressing myself out, I know that I can pull from my emergency fund to meet the bare minimum of like paying bills. What I think is going to be interesting about this conversation is we're going to have kind of bits of different perspectives around 
emergency funds personally versus in our businesses. And then also our listeners are going to have different thoughts around this too. And I I think we're going to keep it very basic Mm -hmm. today because when I hear you say like, this is the place I can come to to pay the basics out of my bills if I need to, I feel like that could be a whole other conversation into like profit first and buckets and like having another bucket for that situation too in the future once you've built your minimum of an emergency emergency fund. So you're kind of, it sounds like in this hybrid place of like in times of, I don't even want to say scarcity, but drought because entrepreneurship can be up and down and some months you can make not hundreds of thousands of dollars, like tens of thousands of dollars and other months it's like zero, just depending on how things check out for you. Then you might have to draw from that nest egg or fund. But then you could also have an emergency fund that literally is like, I've capped it at X amount of money that I've set. This is truly for catastrophic stuff. Whenever you say X amount, what number comes to mind? Like what, like, what do you think of, like, how much do you keep or should someone keep in an emergency fund? Yeah. Yep. So that is going to differ whether it's my personal or my business. So I'll speak to business. Ooh, I didn't even, yep. Okay. That's a very important distinction as we go through this, because I personally only have an emergency fund for myself. I guess I kind of do with business. Like I have like through profit first, which I know is a whole other conversation for all revenue that I get. I put 1% aside for profit and I haven't done anything with that. So I guess like technically that can be an emergency fund business emergency fund. That's what you're talking about. Yep. So business and this becomes more important and higher stakes when, so in my example, I obviously have a group practice Mm -hmm. where people get paid by me and are dependent on me for their livelihood and making a living. And so, you know, if it was just me thinking about my own personal emergency funds, like I could, if I needed to, I could definitely keep it tight. Um, if, you know, if we are having some cash flow issues and things, but in a business where other people are responsible for you and you cannot regularly miss payroll or like you really shouldn't, I'm just thinking of like, what would be most catastrophic. Right. And I would say in a group practice is not being able to make payroll, then you need to have something to use for payroll. So something that uh, I'm going to go on a tangent and then I'll answer your question. Yes, do it. A general rule of thumb in business or in personal is to work towards having three to six months of fixed expenses saved for. And in business, I even think doing a little bit more is helpful because not only like, let's say shit hits the fan, all your employees quit or like insurance stops paying out and you need to still pay your bills, but then you also still need to pay payroll for people who are still there. Like you got to have a good chunk of cash to be able to cover all of those things. So there's a lot of different scenarios we could discuss, but to answer the actual question you asked me of how much money somebody should have three to six months for fixed expenses. Um, and my business at this point in time, we like to have a cash flow of 25 to $35,000. Okay. And fixed expenses, you mean like rent, EHR, payroll, yep. billing, um, payroll. Billing. Okay. Yeah. And here's the, this is kind of, uh, 
fucked up way to look at things. So in our industry, if you are someone in private practice, group practice, you typically, most people don't salary their team because we're just not an industry that can do that depending on the size of your group practice and client flow and things. So people typically get paid per client that they see, whether it's every week, every other week, monthly, however your payroll is set up. And so because you pay people as they do the service, there's not really as much cash flow issue to where you would have to dive into an emergency fund there. Worst case scenario, push comes to shove, you'd probably have to let go of some of your team. Um, You're never going to be paying payroll if you're doing it in the way of fee for service to where you're paying and not receiving something, whether it's from insurance or clients. It might be a delayed payment and that's where the NSA can come in, but you're not going to not capture that money, if that makes sense. So TLDR is fixed expenses are the things that you have a contract with the company for, whether it's an EHR, whether it's your rent, things that are not really going to change that you have an obligation to pay to keep the business going. And those are the things that this emergency fund are going to fund if shit hits the fan for your business. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I've heard the, like the three to six month thing for personal emergency funds as well, which is like, I, I feel like Whenever I first heard about emergency funds, it was like three months. And then I read somewhere six months. And then I read somewhere 12 months. And I'm like, if you have 12 months of emergency fund, like you need to invest some of that money or spend some of that money somewhere. Yes. yes that exactly. just seems like 12 months seems so unrealistic. Like at that point, you probably don't need an emergency fund. Yes. Well, and, and it's all about personal finance, right? Like sure. what is personally important to you? So there's kind of tears in personal finance, which again, we'll probably disclaim this a lot. We are not financial planners. Highly recommend getting one. It's very helpful for understanding your money, your relationship with money, all that good stuff. And there's some great books out there, but basically it's kind of the rule of thumb is you want to have your emergency fund and then like whatever is comfortable, uncomfortable to you, like three months minimum, and then having some investing or do, building both at the same time. Because again, with investing, which we'll probably bring on an expert for, time is on your side. Like you need to be investing, even if it's $20 a month, like as soon as you can, because time and uh, what's the word, compound interest, all that stuff matters. So you don't want to be like, okay, I'm going to try to save X amount of money before I start doing this. It's like, you want to do these processes simultaneously, but have a good chunk of your nest egg before you're like really throwing money into the market. And if you are the person that wants to save before you start doing something, um, I'm right there with you. I'm raising my hand. Hannah and I have started the conversations of investing and I have not started investing yet. So if you feel like you're like, oh my God, every time I hear someone talk about investing, I like my heart starts racing because I was like, oh my God, I'm so behind FOMO. So if that's you, we'll get there. We're working on it. Yes. Before the end of the year, Morgan is going to start investing. 100%. This month is my last car payment. After this month, my car will be completely paid off. And so what I was paying for that is going to go towards investing. Love to hear it. Um, So whenever you mentioned that, should have disclaimed this in the beginning, not disclaimed this, but recognize this in the beginning. 
I feel like I'm so removed from being fired from a job, even though we literally just talked about it two weeks ago. An emergency fund is also if you get fired from a job. Like right now, I feel like emergency fund is like these catastrophic events that come up. Getting fired, I think, would be considered a catastrophic event. But if you are working for a company, that's where that three to six months comes into play. Um, I think with, and, and I don't know, maybe this isn't accurate. This is what I think. I think in our industry as therapists and dietitians, like it's not super hard to find a job. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, if, if you're in a really niche industry where it would be hard for you, like if you were to get fired, if it would be really hard for you to go get another job, I think having six months makes a lot of sense because you need time in order to apply and interview and get accepted. Whereas in our industry, like hospitals, treatment centers, other practices, like there, there is a lot of opportunity. I'm saying that as someone who is also living in like a really big city, um, that there is a lot of opportunity, but I think even with like virtual stuff these days, like it just seems to be a little bit easier for people in our space to like, if they were to get fired from a job, like could go get another job within a matter of a few months. Absolutely. And not even only fired, but just choose to leave, choose to resign. to make the jump. Um, because they're like, I can't do this anymore. Or like, I want to take X amount of time to build my practice or Mm. become educated in this one area so I can find a job in it. Like there's so many different reasons why you might leave a job to, and then rely on your emergency fund, knowing that that is what those funds are for. Oh, yes. I mean, you like tied into like, when is it time to take the leap episode, episode 32, 32, 33. 33. Nope. One of those 32 or 33, man, we have so many episodes now I'm losing track of them. We'll link it. (laughs) We'll link it. Um, of like, if you, if you are wanting to take that leap and you have the ability to build up an emergency fund, I would say if you're working a corporate quote unquote corporate job right now, a, a job with consistent income, that's paying you, you know, once a month, every other week, Now's probably a good time to start building an emergency fund, especially if like, even if you don't think you'll need it whenever you do make that leap, having that sort of like just fall back on, it just feels, it feels stable. It feels better. As someone with a six wing to my Enneagram seven, which is the six is a loyalist, nothing is hotter to me than security. (laughs) And so that is one thing that I get from having an emergency savings and a nest egg for our group practice is it makes me feel like if shit hits the fan, we'll be okay for several months. Yeah. I don't want to use it. I, it's that, again, it's my security blanket, but it's there. The other thing I was going to say, whenever I was kind of speaking to the nest egg for a group practice being three to six months and being between 25 and 35,000 I have separated personal completely from the business because my group practice is an S-corp, which means it's its own entity where it has taxes filed separately. Mm. And so because I am an employee of my own S-corp, that's why I have something for the S-corp as well as my own personal. When I think it's a bit different when you're either a sole proprietor or a single LLC which maybe you can speak to a bit more. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a single member LLC because I don't have anyone else on payroll in my business except for myself. Um, and so I get to file my single, single member LLC under my personal taxes. So yeah, it is a little bit different in terms of finances though. I do have those completely separate and would 10 out of 10 recommend to everyone to keep those separate, have a, have a business bank account and have a personal bank account and honestly have them at separate banks. That way you're not tempted to like go back and forth between the two. Yes. Can I confess something to you? Uh, Are you about to tell me you don't have them separated? Oh my God. No. Can you imagine how much of a shit show that would be? I do have them separated. Just at the same bank? I did. I did have them at the same bank until about two months ago. Ah. I kept getting so, I kept confusing my financial team. They're like, what is going on here? And I was like, it makes sense to me. Sorry. I have eight different bank accounts. But I did move my personal savings and personal checking over to a high yield savings account, mm-hmm. thing, which we can talk about because if you have a nest egg, you're going to want to put it in a high yield savings account, an HYSA. Yes. So, okay. Yes. So that I keep mine. <laughs> I had a lot of thoughts go through my head at once. I keep my my personal emergency fund. I'll get back to the single member single member LLC in a minute. I keep my personal emergency fund in a high yield savings account too, because like who doesn't love high rates to get free money? Free money. Free money. But I only do that because I have a credit card that has enough that I could like put a purchase on my credit card if I needed to, and then pay it off from my high yield savings account. Cause it takes about two to three days to transfer from high yield savings account into my checking account, which is their different banks. And so keep that in mind too. Cause if you like really need cash, like right then and there, it would make more sense to have it more readily accessible. Yes. Yes. So the high yield savings account Again, usually two to three business day turnover versus at just your regular bank where all your accounts may be, you could literally transfer in seconds. Yes. So just, you know, whatever works best for you. I keep, I, cause I'm the same way. Like I, I know I mentioned, keep it in like a quick to transfer. I have enough space on my credit cards that like, if I needed to, I could put it on a credit card and then just pay it off immediately from my high yield savings account. Yes. I love having, I love having myself in high yield savings account. I opened an account with Ally back in 2017. It was like hands down one of the greatest purchase, greatest decisions that I've ever made. You get so much free money. You used to get a lot more free money. The rates used to be a lot higher. They're not as high anymore. They've been going up though. I think they're they at have. like 1.5. Okay. It's getting right back now. up. It's Mine getting- was like 2.1% when I opened it. I know. Yes. I know. And then it like dropped down to below 1%. And I was like, this is still better than like a Chase, Wells Fargo, Capital One, whatever the other ones are, which is like what? 0.01%. It's ridiculous. Stupid. It is stupid. I'm like, keep your 20 cents a year that I get. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't need that. Um, anyway, back to single, single member LLC. So it was really interesting. Yeah, it was interesting when we were starting this because it is so different as a single member LLC. I do have whenever I think of emergency fund, I think of my emergency fund for my personal account. And that is because of the inconsistency of entrepreneurship that I have that. Before I knew I was going to work for myself full time, I had it for the general purpose of emergency fund. If I got fired, if I had a hospital bill, if I had a tire that I had to replace, things like that. 
for my business account, I honestly had not thought about having an emergency fund for it. I don't know why. Maybe because I'd be, this is probably why. No, I'm not, I have a contractor and she makes a percentage of the money that I for sure get from people that are paying me. So I'm not super worried about paying her. And my expenses are really low, like really low. Like I could cancel all my subscriptions tomorrow and my business expenses would be probably like less than $200 for like health insurance and one or two other things. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where the difference is, right? Because on the flip side at my business, our expenses, not even counting payroll are easily mm, at least $15,000 a month. Woo! What? (laughs) It's spicy over here. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. So clearly very different businesses, a completely virtual business versus a group practice with a lot of office space, I assume is probably where a lot of that 15,000 is. (laughs) Yes. And you know, as I say it, I think 15,000 would be worst case scenario on a very expensive month. It's probably closer to between eight to 10. Regardless, multi-thousand compared to $200 is quite different. I would say my expenses now, like with all the subscriptions that I have, like Canva, Typeform, Loom, Zoom, all of those is like, I think, 400 to 500 a month. Yeah. So still very different. <laughs> very different. But as, as we were talking about that though, like, and I, and I alluded to this with profit first, which we can dive into whole other or whatever with any revenue that comes into my business, it goes into like four different categories, operating expenses, owner's draw, which is what I pay myself, taxes and profit. And technically with profit, you're supposed to like use that for continuing education, treat yourself. You're running a business. Look at you go. Like here's a little bit of extra money to spend on yourself. I have not spent any of that. I haven't transferred any of that to myself. I haven't paid that to myself. So I almost feel like that could be an emergency fund. It's like a built-in emergency fund in its own savings account. Exactly. Yes. I like that you specifically say that about the profit part of profit first, because I think and again, we're going on another tangent here about profit first, but the point of pulling out the profit for whatever you want to use it for, whether it's the emergency savings, building a nest egg, treating yourself sometimes, treating your team, that is so that you can see the scraps that you can make your business run on. Mm -hmm. Because if the money just stays in there, you're probably going to spend it. Right. And so it gets transferred to its own savings account. Yes. And the same thing with the, separating out the emergency fund, because mm-hmm. I'm imagining there could be somebody listening who just has like a personal checking slash savings and maybe like a business account mm-hmm. and keeps everything in their business account instead of making like a separate account for emergency. Yeah. But what can happen if you keep it all in one is then it just becomes part of the pot that you can spend, you know, it's not intentionally put to the side for catastrophe. To keep on this tangent, how many business accounts do you have? Oh, Morgan. Um, if you feel comfortable sharing, you don't yes, have I just had to count in my head. <laughs> You're like, I just need a few seconds to like tally them up. <laughs> um, between all the businesses, I think I have eight. Okay. Because I like to separate mine, emergency fund, operating expenses, revenue, taxes, profit, 
And then I have a separate bank account for values driven group. Mm-hmm. We have one for we. And then I have another that I can't so, remember. Nourish Colorado, five accounts. Five to six. I feel five like six. I'm missing. One checking the rest savings. I know I'm really I think, they're, I think they're all technically, no, two of them are checking. Okay. The other ones are savings. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's based on the scale of our businesses. I have my one checking account and then a savings for tax and a savings for profit, my business. Mm-hmm. So that about checks out. One thing that, and I, I don't have answers for this. I'm still grappling with this is, and I, I want your insight on this. If you have, if you have a strong opinion, is it more important to contribute to an emergency fund or to pay off debt? Or at the same time, and if so, like, how do you differentiate? Like, how do you figure where to put what? That's a really good question. I would say it's all about risk tolerance, right? Mm -hmm. I personally would do both at the same time. Like, even if that meant I'm putting $10 a month in a savings fund, right? I know taking on like an emergency fund building it can feel overwhelming. And like, literally it can be taking whatever amount you can shove to the side monthly, setting it on auto so that you don't even have to think about it to build that over time. As far as debt goes, I think paying that down simultaneously, even if that means you can't save as much in your emergency fund is important. Mm -hmm. But also the way that I would probably tackle it is trying to get at least I don't even want to give numbers because I know everybody's situation is different and I want to acknowledge the privilege it is to be able to save, but I would try to have at least a month of savings in emergency Mm -hmm. before aggressively trying to pay down debt. I like that. I like that. That's, I mean, and and I, I'm bringing this up because like, this is, this is my reality right now. Um, Like I have, and I know there's a bunch of different types of debt. As I mentioned, my car will be paid off. So like that, that's gone. I don't have any student loans, but I do have some credit card debt. And so I'm like, I have an emergency. I built back up my emergency fund because my income is still pretty inconsistent. And so like that still worries me. It's better than it was last year, but like, it's still not consistent enough for me to like not have to worry about it. And so I prioritized building my emergency fund back up, which meant I accrued a little bit more debt in doing that. Um, but it's like, it's like a freaking balance of everything. And I know everyone's is different. I don't know if I'm, if I can't explain this without having like my spreadsheet in front of me, but basically I have like my income minus my like monthly expenses, recurring monthly expenses minus what I budget for. And then whatever's left over at the end of that, like a small percentage goes to emergency, majority of it goes towards paying off my credit card. So the way I would think about it is like, let's say you have a catastrophic event happen or you leave your job or X, Y, and Z, you're going to go more into debt if you don't have that emergency fund, which again, might just need to happen. Yeah. And if you can mitigate some of that by having some cash on hand, because there's things that could happen where you may not even be able to use a credit card right. to take care of. And so, like, for example, if you left your job and you have a mortgage, it has to come from your bank account. You can't pay a mortgage on a credit card because that's paying like 
alone on top of another loan. Loan. Air quotes there. Yeah. So, or even rent, right? Rent you can't put on a credit card. So you want to have some cash. And with debt, it is a slow build of interest, hopefully, right? Mm -hmm. So the hopes would be even if you're paying it down at a slow pace, if you're consistent, it's still going to make a dent in bringing it down versus not contributing to it at all. That's how I think about it as well. I was just curious if I was like, I was like, this is what feels right. But I feel like I haven't read a ton about like one or the other, but I, what you're saying is like what I intuitively have been doing. And so I'm like, validation. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And again, it's so different for everybody. Um, So we're hoping as we have this conversation, we're just sharing some of our thoughts and experiences and not so much of like a to-do guide for you because it's just so different. It's so different for everyone. We would love to hear if you're comfortable sharing like what you do. We, I mean, one thing Hannah and I value is transparency around a lot of things and that includes money and it's really fucking vulnerable sometimes, but here we are, we're doing it because it's, you know, most of the time for me, whenever I hear other people talk about this, I'm like, oh, it's really validating or I learned something new and I'm like, oh, that's a great way to think about that. I'm going to try to, you know, incorporate that next month. Um, But yeah, please don't take anything we say as like hard and fast financial advice. This is literally me and Hannah as two gals who run our own businesses trying to figure out what works best for us. Okay. So now I have a question for you. We talked about emergency fund for a business that takes care of other people where you have a separate emergency fund for business, and then you have a separate one for personal. What do you think is an appropriate amount to have for a personal emergency fund? Like right now as an entrepreneur with inconsistent income. Yeah. Or someone who's leaving their day job. So I think someone who's leaving their day job, I think the three to six months is that would be my recommendation as well. Well, that gets tricky because I'm like, oh, three to six months because you can go find another job. But if finding another job is you working for yourself and you're moving into inconsistent income, well, it's a little different. I, I mean, overall, I think I, I have no experience with this. I would say private practice, it probably takes about what, six to 12 months to hit like full term, like full time status. And so I would say six months is probably a good spot for that because you're going to be getting some income. It's not like you're going to go like zero clients, whatever. Um, so I would say if, for private practice, six months for like what I'm doing with design work and I'm only taking on like two to three clients at a time, it is really fucking inconsistent. Um, I love all the work that I do, but I'm still working on that consistency piece and kind of what that looks like. I, uh, I think I have, it's probably close to six months of emergency fund. I mean, and that's solely because like, like you mentioned, like, I, I know you gave the example of like a couple thousand a month to zero a month. Um, I thankfully have not had a $0 month, but I've had a $600 paycheck the same time that I'm supposed to be paying my rent which is more than $600. And so like in moments like that, it's like, I know I'll never need to pull a full month's worth from my emergency fund, but it's there to like support that little, to get me over the hump. Honestly, three to six months too. I think it is, it is so personal for, but for me personally, 
three to six months feels good to like sit in kind of that window. Do you feel comfortable sharing like a range of a cash amount that that could look like? Cause I remember when I was first learning about finances and like really trying to get into it, you know, probably five years ago was when I really started because I was going into private practice and like really wanting to understand this and make it work. Mm-hmm. And I see three to six months everywhere. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? Is that like, you know, $5,000 a month. And so times six, that's $30,000 cash. Like mm, yeah. what do you think is a good range? If someone's like thinking, I need to know a cash amount that I'm going for. Totally. So yeah, I am super fine being uh, transparent. So I have it set aside to where like, I have my like recurring monthly expenses and like, mind you, this includes some like willy nilly things that if I truly needed to cut out, I would such as paying for Spotify, paying for a house cleaner, paying for YouTube TV, things like that. Um, so let me, let me pull up my spreadsheet and so like subtract all of those out. And so like bare bones rent have to have internet because of my job, car insurance, phone bill, food. And then we'll just throw like gas and then like miscellaneous mine's close to about 2,500 a month. So 2,500 times three is 7,500. Yeah. And that's about what I have saved for my emergency fund right now. So that checks out. <laughs> Love. Yeah. I, I think that number is great. Probably between if I could give another cash amount. And again, we're both single, single folks with no dependents, <laughs> not a lot of debt. And so acknowledging that. Right. It's going to be different for everybody. But yeah, right. I would say 2,500 to... 3,500 a month for people who are in a similar situation to us. If it sounds like it checks out, it's going to be more or less in different cities and spaces. It's going to be more or less depending on your life circumstances, dependence, all that kind of stuff. Thanks so much for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators pod. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to our podcast to add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review and share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. We'll see you next week. Bye.